This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we bring in the fly guy, Mike Peppers, to talk about quality of service and the new performance goodness in ONTAP 9.3. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I am all by myself in the studio. Andrew is out of town. He's in Australia uh, doing his thing down under. And uh, I'm here with uh, Mike Peppers today. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about QoS. Uh, We had a podcast previously on this before. Um, We're going to talk about it a little more in depth. And then we're going to go into the overall uh, features in ONTAP 9.3, which just released a couple weeks ago as a release candidate. So, uh, Mike Peppers, hi. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, doing well. And you? Doing well. Yeah, I did. Uh, I ate, ate way too much, um, as usual. I have no control mechanism there. But I will make up for it by podcasting my butt off. Um, so... <laughs> But yeah, uh, so uh, we just got back from the Thanksgiving break, um, and we are ready to go. Uh, Insight is behind us, but we have lots of work to do still. So, uh, Mike Peppers, if you could introduce yourself, let everybody know what you do here at NetApp and how to find you on social media. Okay. So, my name is Mike Peppers. I'm a technical marketing engineer at NetApp. Uh, I cover SAN, uh, Performance, FlexArray, FLI, uh, QoS, and... Uh, FC NVMe. Uh, and you can find me on social media. I am NTAP FLI guy. Yeah, you do you do quite a bit here. Um, most in the sand space here, uh, also the performance area. Mm-hmm. And some of the performance stuff we have in ONTAP 9.3 is interesting. But before we get into all that, let's just go uh, with a QoS primer, like, you know, the quality of service in ONTAP. And let's just talk about in depth uh, what we offer and how it works. So there are uh, three primary uh, QoS offerings uh, as of 9.3. The first of which, which was introduced in ONTAP 8.2, was QoS Max. A Max is is, uh, the the idea being that you are going to put a ceiling on a workload so that you stop it from being able to impact other workloads uh, that are in the same shared storage space. And so you're protecting other workloads from the workload you're putting the max on. The second type of QoS is this QoS min or minimum, which is is you're putting a floor in place where you're saying that I am going to guarantee that a specific workload is going to get some number of IOPS. And I will guarantee this by attaching a deadline to every IO that comes in and then matching that deadline to make sure that I meet it by doing things like allowing you to jump queues. This would be sort of like a fast pass at Disney uh, where you essentially are going to have fewer turns that you're gonna have to go through so you'll get to the front of the line faster than someone entering the standard queue. And so that's how that guarantee works. But what you're doing, unlike with Max, is this is you're actually protecting the workload you're applying the QoS min to up to uh, that the, the number of IOPS specified. The last and most recent, oh, and that was introduced in ONTAP 9.2. 
for NAS and 9.3, or uh, for SAN and 9.3 for uh, NAS workloads as well. Okay, so with the QoS mins and that sort of thing, I mean, you, you mentioned you don't have a, you know, you don't necessarily babysit it, but do we have alerting methods that we can use to kind of uh, watch it for us? Oh, absolutely. Um, so one thing I would encourage uh, anyone listening to this is if you manage uh, ONTAP, you should have uh, on-command unified manager, uh, which uh, with 7.2 includes on-command performance manager. They are uh, free tools that are available to you that will help you to manage uh, ONTAP. What you specifically can do with those is this is that you can set thresholds so that when you start getting close to uh, one of those maxes or as you uh, pass one of those maxes that you are alerted to that. And that way you would be able to see that I'm going to need to adjust uh, the, the, the max or the min, you know, whatever QS setting that you have assigned to a given workload based on changes in that, that particular workload. Now, of course, in the case of adaptive, uh, you, you, you're less, you require a little bit less attention in that you are already dynamically changing uh, the amount of bandwidth that a given workload actually has based on its size. And so that's what's supposed to reduce the administrative footprint. Okay. So with minimums, I mean, there's been a you know debate over whether these are guarantees or not. Can you kind of cover if they are guarantees or if they're not guarantees and if they are or are not go into why that is? So it, it is a guarantee in a sense and that what we are going to do in the case of a minimum is, is, is that we are going to, every time that we receive an IO, we're going to attach uh, the deadline for when that IO needs to have been uh, completed, processed and uh, response provided, uh, for instance. And so in each one of those cases, we're going to be looking at that deadline. And as we start getting close to that deadline, we are going to start actually quick walking that particular uh, IO through various stacks to make sure that it is acknowledged and processed within the, the, the deadline's timeframe. And so effectively, it is a guarantee in that we are going to make sure that we are able to respond to the given IO within the timeframe. Okay, so QoS minimum, QoS maximum. Uh, sounds like we are making things easier for the most part for storage administrators to control their performance and you know just kind of sequester it. Um, but in 9.3, I'm hearing that we are adding even more to simplify things for QoS. What are we adding? Well, the, the, the biggest thing uh, with regard to performance and QoS is, is, is that in 9.3, we predefined some service levels. We created three service levels, uh, performance, value, and extreme. Uh, so the way those performance levels work is, is, is each of them are going to be representative of what a typical enterprise, uh, you know, the type of storage that a typical enterprise would use. So let's go ahead and start with value. Value is typically going to be something like 60 to 75% of the data under storage in a typical enterprise. Uh, things that would fall into that bucket typically would be email, uh, web services, file shares, group directories, backups, things of that nature. The next uh, type of QoS is uh, performance, and that particular one, you're looking at somewhere between 25 and, say, 35% of uh, enterprises' uh, data under storage is typically going to fall in this bucket. 
Uh, most commonly databases, virtualized applications would make up the bulk of that. And then last but not least is Extreme. Extreme is, is the highly latency sensitive applications, typically something like 5% of less of the total uh, data under storage in a given enterprise. And so all three of those buckets have predefined uh, minimums, maximums, and an absolute minimum, which is a new term. So let's go ahead and start with, uh, so if you look at minimum, uh, the minimum SLA is going to respond, uh, or it's gonna look very much like a QoS min. Uh, what that's saying is, is, is and, and by the way, in terms of the service levels, it's referred to as, ex, as a expected uh, value. And so that's basically saying that this is the minimum that I'm going to guarantee for this particular workload. Uh, the peak value, which would correspond with a QS max, is going to be uh, the, the, the maximum or the ceiling. Uh, for that particular workload. And then, as I said, there's a new term, absolute minimum. Absolute minimum is different than the other two. Both the uh, peak and expected are both going to use adaptive QoS. And so they are going to increase, the, the number of IOPS available to a workload is gonna increase or decrease in size based on uh, the size of that given workload. So as the workload increases in size, the number of IOPS that are gonna be available to it for both minimum and max are going to increase. Absolute min, on the other hand, is a fixed value. Uh, absolute min is going to be set at a specific number. So for instance, with value, uh, that number would be 75 and extreme, that number would be 1,000. What absolute min is meant to do is, is it's an anti-starvation uh, tool. What it does is, is, is let's say you have a workload that you've defined uh, uh, 10 IOPS per uh, one terabyte of storage. And then let's say that you're applying that ratio to a workload that has uh, 10 meg of total uh, data under storage. You would never get an IO. Uh, in that you know you would never get a rate that ratio would never produce an IO for you. So what the absolute min does is, is, is it sets aside a certain number of IOPS that are available no matter what the, the size is in order to make sure that workloads that are very small would still be able to get some number of, of IOPS and not just completely starve. The other thing I should note about the service levels, value, performance, and extreme, is this is that each of those are targeting a specific latency. So the value, uh, you're targeting a latency of 17 uh, uh, milliseconds or less. Performance, you're looking at two milliseconds or less. And extreme, you're looking at less than one millisecond. Lastly, with adaptive QoS, uh, ONTAP is going to, every five minutes, take a look at the size of each of the workloads and then adjust up the number of IOPS that are available to that workload. So that will occur every five minutes, and that's done by default. Okay. So pretty much just simply uh, being able to modify your QoS policies as you increase or decrease capacity without having to deal with the extra hoop to jump through there, right? Yeah, it, you, it basically, you don't need to do anything if the increase in, if you increase in capacity, you're going to get number more IOPS. And so all you would need to do is this is just generally keep an eye that is this particular workload, is this service level still meeting that workload's objectives? 
Okay. So to, to add to this, uh, how does one go about using uh, these predefined service levels? The, the, the easiest way is, 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 is that if you use application-aware data management, which is you go into System Manager and actually use System Manager to provision a new application. One of the things that you're going to be asked for if you do that, you're going to get 10 to 15 questions that are going to ask you things like what kind of, you know, what do you want to name this Oracle database or what do you want to call this uh, VMware application or uh, depending on the type of application you're, you're actually uh, provisioning, it will ask you things of that nature. What's the name of the database server or the VMware server or that sort of thing. But another thing it's going to ask you for is, is the service level for each one of the workloads. And based on that, you are going to be assigned one of these three service levels. So it kind of picks the service level for you, or you have to decide based on your application? No, you, you pick the service level. So let's say you say that you want to uh, uh, provision a new uh, Oracle database or a SQL database. Uh, you basically say that I want it to be four gig in size. And then what kind of service level should I be using for that? What sort of service level should I use for the redo logs, for instance, that sort of thing. And so that's how it, it, you have a drop-down box for the service level. So you you have to pick one of these three if you're using application-aware uh, provisioning. Okay, makes sense. Additionally, another way that you can assign uh, QoS is, is, is that you can absolutely assign it using uh, the CLI. You can assign both QoS min and max uh, using a system manager by finding the object you want to assign it to, a volume, for instance, or a LUN, and you can assign a, a min or max uh, to that. For adaptive, your choices are going to be either through the CLI or using application aware. Uh, I suspect that we will probably see more in the system manager space around that in future releases, but that's 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 the current state of play. Okay, so we got some stuff coming down the pipe that might make things even easier and simpler to use, right? If someone were to guess, that, that that's probably going to be accurate. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to think of the ONTAP releases, you know, and, and the features we add as kind of building blocks as we go, right? So you think of these features that come in, and they seem cool but they're they're you know they're relatively small you know, th you know for example uh balance placement you mm -hmm. know it, i can place things based on load of my system as i create them okay that's cool what about after they're created you know what do i do then well we don't do that yet but maybe in the future something might come along and we might leverage some of the other things we've developed in ontap to kind of build onto that as well yeah, so, so, so keep in mind, particularly with a new cadence model where you basically have an update every six months, the size of each of the individual payloads is likely to be somewhat smaller. And so you're going to have those modular building blocks, just as you say. And so at first, you, you see something that looks interesting, but you feel like maybe there's uh, some additional use case that's missing. There's a good chance that that's going to get covered in the next uh, six months drop or the one after that yeah and what's good about it is you only have to wait six months to a year as opposed to the previous versions where you or the previous cadence which was you know about a year and a half to two years to get new stuff right so things are coming out quicker they may be a little smaller in payload but they are overall building to better and bigger things and and they're and it's fairly predictable it's very predictable when the next release of ONTAP is going to be and so yeah absolutely that 
the best part about that is when I we used to get asked, you know, when's the next release coming out, and we'd always kind of just shrug like, oh. <laughs> now we can be like, yeah, it's coming out in November, and it's coming out in May, June area, right? Because we know mm-hmm. it's going to be six months. Yeah, it, it, it makes it much more predictable, and this is something that our customers have, you know, talked to us about and said that they, they you know, business typically does not like uncertainty. And so the, the more predictable you make things, the, the, the better your customers are typically going to like it. Um, now, you mentioned balance placement because that's an, another interesting piece that sort of ties in with uh, the adaptive QoS as well. Because one of the things, uh, I, I'd mentioned uh, application-aware data management. So one of the things uh, that is used with application-aware data management is this is that you provision your application. You say, among other things, that I would like this service level for this particular, you know, for the, the database itself and perhaps another service level for the redo log, which could be a different service level. Well, what balance placement is going to do is, is it's going to look at Number one, what is the size of the workload you're provisioning? It's, you know, a terabyte, let's say. And then what sort of service level are you looking at? And you're requesting that I want the performance service level. So now I'm going to look at my cluster and look where are the different places that I could put this workload that needs to have a terabyte of space and needs to have a performance service level. And that's what balance placement is going to do is this is it's going to answer that question of where best to, you know, how do I optimally place based on that? I also understand that we are doing some improvements to performance overall in ONTAP 9.3. Can you go into some detail about what we're doing to make 9.3 better? You know, the whole concept of being able to improve your performance just by upgrading software? Yeah, so that's that's one of my favorite stories because it's a, it's an easy one to tell and one that people tend to appreciate. And it's just is that every time you upgrade ONTAP, you will get some performance improvements. Where they are and the size of the performance improvement in a specific area will will differ depending on what it is that we were focusing on with that given release. But every release, you'll typically see some benefits. The biggest one by far, and it's it's a, it's a blockbuster, is uh, in in the SAN space is iSCSI performance improvements. Uh, the amount that I don't know that there's a single bellwether number that you can say that you know it's 28% better or something like that. But if you look at your iSCSI performance, you're going to see depending on you know whether you're looking at 8K random reads or 4K sequential reads or you know various different tests you'll get different numbers but we're seeing numbers uh in the 40 percent improved uh the 300 percent improved you know just all over the 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 map big numbers and the reason that we're seeing these levels of improvement is this is that what we did is this is between 9.2 and 9.3 we completely rewrote the iSCSI stack uh, so we have a iSCSI software target on uh, in ONTAP, and we completely rewrote that. What we did is, is, is that we looked at getting rid of context uh, switches wherever possible, removed any locking that we could, and then tried to figure out how can we multi-thread as much of the processing as possible, doing things like moving more of the processing out of the iSCSI thread and into, say, networking threads so that we could run more of those concurrently. Uh, the and where you're going to see the most improvement is this is where you have uh, you know the controllers that have lots of cores. 
So things like the A700, A700S, where you've got 32 cores, uh, when you basically multi-thread, what you're able to do is, is, is take advantage of some of those unused cores to actually go through and do some of the, the network processing that would be required for iSCSI, for instance. And so that's where you're going to see, you know, fairly massive performance improvements. You'll see, you'll still see performance improvements, but but not nearly uh, to the same degree on uh, systems that have fewer cores, because that's where you're really, you know, where it's really coming into play is is being able to take advantage of large numbers of uh, processor cores to uh, concurrently process uh, iSCSI, the iSCSI threads. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't just iSCSI either, right? I mean, we also made some changes to FCP performance as well as waffle performance in general by optimizing things in the back end, correct? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I just, I, I, I lead with iSCSI just because it just, it's, it, the performance differences you're seeing, some of them, you're looking at these charts and going, is this possible? Yeah, I mean, I've seen the graph. It, it is such a big improvement. I yeah. Mean, you, you will see improvements in, in FC and, and frankly, any improvement in waffle is going to, you know, it's like throwing a stone into or a, a pebble into a lake. You're going to have it ripple out, and that's going to ripple out across any protocol, whether it is SAN or NAS-based protocols. Yeah, with the iSCSI improvement graph, what I saw was like two to three times more IOPS at lower latency for iSCSI alone. So, I mean, that's a pretty massive jump. Yeah, it's, 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 it really is just, it, it's pretty amazing. One of the charts I was looking at was an 8K random read that was uh 3.6 times faster yeah it was it was crazy fast that's 360 yeah. percent faster yeah i mean that, that that's the kind of number where the you know the, the first thing you have to do is, is is ask is this believable how is that possible yeah and in addition to the iSCSI and FCP stack. I mean, we're also doing some things with NAS performance. So uh, 9.2 and 9.3 added some improvements for NFS 4.1. Mm-hmm. So for streaming workloads, such as virtualization or databases, if you're running those sorts of things on NFS 4.1, where you have a single open and then just you know reads and writes to it, uh, we're going to see a massive performance improvement for 4.1. You know, We're trying to get to the same level as V3, and we're right at that level as V3. So you get all the benefits of 4.1, you know, with the locking mechanisms and the security, but you also get the performance that we weren't seeing before with 4.1. Uh, and then future releases will will improve performance for 4.1 on metadata operations. So I would look for that in the next six months to a year as well. Um, in addition to that, we off we added uh, offloading for Kerberos 5P, so the encryption piece of NFS. Uh, being able to offload that to the AES-NI processing module on the processors to give you performance that's equal to just regular Kerberos. So you can not only encrypt your authentication, but you can also encrypt your entire NFS packet stack there. We have absolutely doubled down on performance. Uh, clearly areas that we're just looking at results that you can see a lot of focus. This is going to be performance and simplicity and just general hardening. That is, this is, uh, you know, looking at how to be more secure in a world uh, that clearly, you know, with things like the WannaCry and so on, you're seeing more and more uh, requirement for that, or you're seeing more requirements and RFPs for uh, that that you have on disk, uh, you know, encryption, for instance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, we've really taken performance seriously, and, and part of that is because we're adding new features 
that require the need for more performance. And then when you look at things like NetApp Flex Group volumes, which allow you even more performance out of multi-threading, um, we're trying to basically use the building block methodology with the NAS stack to improve the performance on that end so that when it gets to flux groups, we're not suffering any sort of hits because we're using you know NFS 4.1 in those cases. So um, anything else in 9.3 performance related or SAM related that you want to add? Uh, those are those are pretty much the big ones right now. That that has been our focus. The one other thing uh, that it, it's coming down the pike, uh, we have done some previewing of it uh, and are very active in the space is around NVMe OF. Uh, so NVMe is non-volatile express or non-volatile memory express. OF is over fabric. Uh, and underneath that, you have a number of different choices, one of which, and the one that we've picked uh, to pursue first, is FC NVMe, which is the idea of uh, using NVMe uh, over a fiber channel. So what you're doing is, is encapsulating an NVMe command descriptor uh, instead of a SCSI 3 command descriptor. And because of improvements in uh, the streamlining and efficiency of NVMe, which is a protocol that was written in the last couple of years instead of being backward compatible to the mid-80s, uh, as well as improving by removing things like context switches and locks, we're seeing uh, fairly significant improvements in latency when all other things are exactly equal. So you're going to the same workload on the same controller, same type of disks, same uh, yeah, uh, servers over the same fabric, et cetera, et cetera. And yet we are seeing uh, fairly substantial uh, latency reductions and performance improvements simply by switching out the protocol. You know, basically how it is that you issue the commands and how much you're able to multi-thread that. And so you should stay tuned. You'll see a lot more of that. Uh, we're, we're absolutely leading in that space right now. Um, and you should be seeing an offering in the not distant future. It'll be a whole new protocol for NetApp. Yeah, I mean, we, we announced some things at Insight, if you were there um, at the general mm -hmm. session. They actually did a demo. Um, we also covered NVMe on the podcast in episode 72, just to kind of give you an idea of what it was and demystify it. Um, really, the, the overall overarching theme there was that it's cool, but it's not like a game changer necessarily, the NVMe protocol. It's it's what you do with it that's going to be the game changer. So some of the things we're doing on the creative side of that in future releases is going to be very, very interesting for ONTAP. Um, we already ship NVMe uh, attached storage within some of the platforms on board. So we use that as like a flash mechanism. So mm -hmm. we already have NVMe being added to ONTAP as we speak, um, but we'll be doing more with that in coming releases. So actually, not only do we already ship, but interestingly enough, uh, we have shipped more NVMe media than anybody else, including uh, vendors who maybe have made a little bit more uh, uh, noise about NVMe. Uh, we're at 10 petabytes uh, shipped so far, and right now that is basically just caching mechanisms in front of the FAS 8200, 9000, so on. Yeah, it's interesting because caching mechanisms are kind of funny because competitors or people that kind of are naysayers will point to the caching mechanism to say, well, you're just caching. That's why you're so fast. And really the end result is that it's faster and that's all that matters. <laughs> right. And, and the customers yeah, don't care yeah, whether it's cash or not. Day, uh, 
assuming that you're fast, reliable, and economic, uh, okay, sounds good. I'll I'll take that. Yeah, I know. Like no, nobody points to the to the race car that has the nitrous booster and say, "Well, you're just using nitrous. That's why you're faster." Well, okay, cool. <laughs> yes. That's right. One of my one of my very favorite, uh, you know, it, 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 I'm going to rat hole for just a second here, but one of my very favorite pieces of FUD that I, I I love hearing about is this is how we're emulated sand because we're sand built on a file system, so not from the ground up. So you know, yet another iteration of of that whole thing. Well, so we're emulated sand that is more performant, more reliable, more flexible. Plus, we have NAS, and so exactly. What's the downside here? Sounds to me like we're we built a better mousetrap. Well, what's hilarious about the from the ground up FUD is that the same people that are were touting that FUD for a while are now starting to see that it's backfiring because mm-hmm. the built from the ground up methodology was great for what they were building, but now that things are changing and media is changing and the protocols we deliver them are changing, they are now no longer built from the ground up for the new stuff. Yeah, it, it, it becomes a very inconvenient data point. Interestingly enough, uh, and, and, and we, we, I can't claim on uh, Dave Hitz and James Lau's uh, uh, you know, forward thinking, but when they created Waffle, they created a file system that really was beautifully designed for Flash 25 years before anyone had even considered, you know, it, you know, it, even science fiction writers were not talking about Flash at the time. Well, I mean, it's funny because Dave Hitz has gone on record as saying, yeah, cool. We, we, it's a, it a happy mistake, right? I mean, it was yeah. lucky. I mean, it, they didn't think about it being this good for what it's used for. But once they started retrofitting it and optimizing it, they started noticing the benefits right away. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take luck when it happens. It's better to be lucky than good sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that's what Napoleon used to say, when, you know, when picking generals. That's and a terrible. Yeah, let's not use that's Napoleon because um, he he didn't he didn't last very long. <laughs> got so close though. We're, we're we're aiming for world domination, and Napoleon never got there. There you go. All right, Mike. A uh, lot of good stuff added in ONTAP 9.3. And, you know, in reality, over the last few ONTAP releases, in terms of performance and managing our performance sim- simply, you know, making sure that we're adding that simplicity story into the whole stack as well. Um, so, Mike, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you to talk about performance or Forlun import or MVME over Fabric or whatever, because you seem to cover everything, um, how would they reach you? <laughs> Uh, well, you can reach me uh, via social media at NTAPFLI guy, or on you know alternatively, uh, my email is mpeppers at netapp. All right, thanks a lot, Mike. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review on behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, which today is me. Uh, I'd like to thank Mike Peppers for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. So, uh, Mike, um, did you have a high-performing Thanksgiving meal? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
It was, uh, I don't know about high performing, there was a whole lot of it and there was not much performance afterwards unless uh, you, you count napping in the Lazy Boy. In which case, I was aces. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I had yeah. It does the trick every time, especially, you know, three or four pounds of it. So, um, NetApp may have adaptive QoS, but I have an adaptive waistline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you just unbuckle the, the pants and you're good, right? I mean, you just you just spread it out, you know, IOPS per terabyte. <laughs> I, I, I have but one word, elastic. 